welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined virtually, digitally, again, by Tim Hunt. Remotely. You know, pretty good. We've just uh, been fighting technology all night, so, you know, as long as we get a show out, that'll make me a happy camper. I would agree with that, and I think that's obviously the goal, and that's what's going to happen, because we don't fall short of goals around here, alright? Nope. We got content to put out, we got football to talk about, and that's exactly what we're here to do today. So, Absolutely. hopping straight to our fan questions today, you got two fan questions for us today. Coming in, our first one is, we had a question come in, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, let me pull it back up, make sure I don't butcher this. Comes from Alex in Columbus, Georgia, he said, which broadcasting duo is our favorite for the NFL? What's the best broadcasting duo in the NFL? I I don't understand how this is even up for debate. Like, I mean, it's Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Like, I, That's I, a solid pick. I, I think the only one that you maybe, I think you could maybe argue would be Peyton and Eli Manning, but they're well, not... The Manning cast is up there, but they're not technically broadcasters. And, and they don't do a show every week, so they kind of pick and choose, and, you know, it just isn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel legit, you know, in, yeah. in a weird way. It's hard to pick, like, the best, because I feel like everybody has their favorites. Like, there's good and bad. Yeah, absolutely. The the deciphering between good and my favorite is all personal. Like, I like Ian Eagle and Charles Davis a lot, because I love, I don't know why, like when I used to broadcast and everything and like, and I don't know why I never saw this sooner. Like when I was a kid and I would play Madden, I would always just leave the TV off or like, and I did this all sports games, 2k Madden. And like when I played WWE Mm -hmm. and I would just like call the match myself, which obviously it was horrible, but like the inflection in your voice and everything. And like, I don't know why I've just always drawn to Iron Eagle, but Mm -hmm. he's up there for me. But Tony Roma and Jim Nance are solid. Solid picks. I, I feel like I, I don't. Yeah, I think they're the best pick out there right now. Without I would question, agree. my my personal bias pulls me towards Ian Eagle, but uh, Jim Nance's Jim Nance and Tony Romo are definitely the two people that came to mind first. Yeah, I thought of that. So absolutely. Uh, second question is coming from Prime Martino. He asks, "Is James Harden actually going to leave the Nets? And if so, where's the best fit?" Um. I think as far as best fit goes, quite literally anywhere. I mean, you never get worse when adding a superstar player at the level of James Harden. I don't uh, think that was the question. I think the question is, what's the best fit for James Harden? So what what team enough. is he going to land on, have a big role, and be win. able to yeah win, go go play for a championship? That's tough. I mean, and it's it's a, that the question is to me is equally as tough because of what he brings to your organization. I mean, he elevates. I mean, any team that's in playoff contention adds James Harden, I think automatically adds themselves to title contention, you know? Um, maybe. May, I don't, I don't, I don't not know. Not every if team. But. Right. Mo- most teams, I, I would say. Um, I, I don't know. When, I, when you say the best fit, it, the tough part for me is, is, is it the best fit? Like, what kind of role does he want to go play? Like, if yeah. he isn't enjoying playing second or third fiddle right now, does he want to go back to a team where he's the number one guy and it's all on his shoulders? I, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's true. Um, because, I, I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately for me would be Philly. Because I think yeah. that team is a, immediately a championship contender. And their biggest competition would be 
the Nets in the East. So yeah, they have a superstar on the way out the door. So logistically, it makes sense as well. Not that I would ever want to run into a team that has Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons on it together. That's terrifying. Yeah. Um. I mean, any team that's looking to like any team that's looking to get over the hump. I don't think there's really like a role restriction with him either. Um, like I could see him in Portland. Like I, I could see him playing the three. As weird as that sounds, I think you could get away with playing with small forward. I think you have a lot of depth there at that. It's a really weird. But when you have guys that are as talented as James Harden and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, anything is possible. You could make it work. I, um, I don't I wouldn't have to worry about him playing a three because you probably have to give up CJ to get him. Most likely, than likely. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's an upgrade. I think it helps them win a lot more games. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily look at that. I don't think you can play him at the three, just defensively. I think it would be awful for your team yeah, to you have him have, at the three. You really have to have the matchups to work with you there. Yeah, there would be. you'd have to do a lot of shifting and, and have probably, you know, Ben Simmons and LeBron James be the other two defenders around him. I don't know if there's a ton of teams off the top of my head that would be able to go make a package for James Harden that would make sense for both sides. He he did decline his. They offered him an extension this offseason. He did decline it. So which I mean, and that's most superstars. They would rather just decline it, go to free agency, and re-sign there. Yeah, you know they have their options open. It's the it's the Kevin Durant way of doing things. It's the yeah I could come back, but or I could just hit the market and. If something better comes along, then I'm not tied down by the extension. I, you know, I have I, the freedom to go elsewhere. I think LeBron started that, but yeah, the the yeah, exactly. Why Fair why enough, commit yeah. if I don't have to? Because you know, you know, they're going to hit the market and get a max deal. There's no question about that. Yeah, exactly. So if any type of thing upsets them beforehand or during contract negotiations, they have other options to go to. You know, they're not tied down at that point. Um. I don't think he's going to leave. Uh, you know, the trade deadline is going to be probably about two weeks after All-Star break, which we're rapidly approaching All-Star break here in the next month or so, I believe. It's usually in February, I want to say. So, I mean, we're getting there. And the rumors are just now starting that he's – the rumors have been he's he's unhappy with, a, a you know, a half-playing Kyrie Irving where he can't go on the road or he can't play at home games with them which is understandable. Again, this is one thing that we kind of predicted at the beginning of the year was, you know, if you're, especially if you're Kevin Durant, because like Kevin Durant signed in Brooklyn because Kyrie Irving was also going to sign in Brooklyn. And then they brought James Harden into boot. So I can understand the frustration of him not being able to play games with him, not being vaccinated. He also wasn't happy with kind of Steve Nash's late game situations, how he's handled close games, which, I mean, welcome to the NBA. Welcome to managing a superstar talent. Sometimes they're not going to like the things you do. Right. Um, I, I don't think he'll get dealt because it's just – it's the logistics of it all that I think that's going to slow it down. I do think Philly is by far and away the best spot, but also recent reports say that the Kings are starting to heat up on that deal as well because they're willing to eat Tobias Harris's contract and Ben Simmons. Um so, I mean, anytime that you're able to move a disgruntled superstar and, you know, get something back that's going to help your team win and you can dump a bad contract in the process, that's a win-win. So Sacramento is going to be hard to beat. Now, the thing is, is 
Daryl Morey and the Sixers want the sun, moon, stars, and three future Hall of Famers for <laughs> Ben Simmons. And that's the only reason he hasn't been dealt yet. The Pistons threw quite literally like half of their franchise. And as much as people don't know who Sadiq Bey is, he's an animal in Detroit. He has been an animal all year. They offered him him, like two first-round picks, Jeremy Grant, and then another young developing guy. And they said no. And I don't think they're going to get a better offer than that. Now, they may get... I think they will, but... They could. But again, it's just it's one of those things like Joel Embiid is having an MVP-level season at the center position. The dude dropped 50 points last week. The 50-point yeah. triple-double last week. Like, dude's playing out of his mind, and he's healthy. And Daryl Morey's like, no, I want I we, want James Harden and DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen and Joe Harris we, and we, three first-round picks. And you're like, we talk, are you? Yeah, we talked about this kind of when this whole trade was going to happen. The NBA yeah. is the only league where a dollar doesn't equal four quarters, right? Yeah. So if you, if you can get Jeremy Grant, who's been an all-star, I think, once in his career. He's a, a very, very solid rotational player, if anything, for sure. Right. So you get two rotational guys and some future picks. Like, there's no way that equals the value that Ben Simmons is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree, but also you have to realize that Ben Simmons is a dollar in Detroit or in Sacramento or in Philly, but he is a nickel in Philadelphia sitting on the bit, sitting at home. He's not even part of the team at this point. They, I mean, they don't have a lot of pressure. I mean. So if they don't trade, like if they don't get the value they want, what does it hurt them waiting till the summer? They're not wasting their time. They're putting more pressure on Ben Simmons to come out and play. I I agree with that, but I think you're also like with an injury-prone level player like Joel. No, I wouldn't say injury-prone. A guy that's had injury issues. And like Joel Embiid's in the prime of his career at this point. There is a title window open. And with with a a, a up-and-down COVID year, the Lakers are struggling. The The Bulls and who are the second team in the East right now that are running stuff out of nowhere? The Cavs are playing great. The Bulls are up there in the East. You have all these teams that aren't really at the top of the pile or at the top of the pile. The Suns are running stuff out West. LeBron's having a down year. Kevin Durant is struggling with a half-injured Kyrie who can't play because of his vaccination status. I think your window is wide open. And I'm not saying that Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant elevate you past what you could get with Ben Simmons, but like, I I feel like the the window is open, and I feel like Daryl Morey's like, well, I'll close that window until I feel like we get a deal that is right. I don't, and, but I don't see. See, you view it as closing the window, and I really don't think it is because. Right now, if you add those players to Joel Embiid, do they beat the Heat? Who are the number one seed, by the way? It's the Heat. Do uh, they beat the Heat? I don't think so. Do they beat the Bulls? They maybe. Do they beat the Nets? I don't think so. Do they beat the Bucks? I don't think so. So really, you're still like, you know what I mean? With that package, sure, it, it helps you right now. Maybe you, you sneak into a top three seed in the East this year. But long term, what does that really help your team? I don't I don't know. I wish if I was if I was Daryl Morey, I just wish that Danny Ainge was still in Boston because I know I could call him and flip for Jalen Brown pretty quickly <laughs> at this point. Because Danny Something. Ainge will make any deal under the sun. There's nothing. There's no floor that that guy won't stoop to when it comes to trading his players around. And who knows? Somebody might get desperate enough. You know what I mean to make a big. You know he's going to want to trade him all star for all star. So yeah. 
And if not, he's going to want, he's going to want to trade Ben Simmons for like two, if not three all-star caliber players that maybe have just not gotten over the hump, like a De'Aaron Fox and a Buddy Heald and right. a pick and a rotational. Like it's going to, it'll be like Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox and a first rounder. Right. And yeah. I, I just, I don't know if I see the Kings being able to wanting to give up that much at the same time. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Cause as much as a dollar doesn't equal four quarters, four quarters doesn't equal a dollar for a lot of teams as well. So it's, it's just a very tough two way street for Ben Simmons and for James Harden to be dealt at this point. That's why I just don't see either of them happening in the future. Well, in the, in the short term future, at least. But if you're the Kings, you're 18 and 31 at this point in the season, you're well below 500. It's not like you're in playoff contention, you know? Yeah. But it's it's the same thing, but it's the opposite. They're like, what do we, like, I don't know. The King, uh, the Kings don't have much to lose. I would agree with you. I don't would, know. The Kings if, are a if, mess. <laughs> if the Kings trade for Ben Simmons, is he not immediately one of the most talented players that's ever played in Sacramento? Yeah, he's probably the most talented player since he's the most talented player since prime boogie cousins. And before that, you might have to dip back to the Oh two Oh one conference finals teams. Right. So I, I, for them, I mean, it's the, it's the most talent you're going to be able to attract. So you might as well go for it and do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to send it at sometimes and we'll see if any team's going to send after James Harden or Ben Simmons at this point, but definitely a lot of fits. It's just the logistics of making it all work. Obviously. Before we get into our recap for this wild, wild, it's not the wild card weekend, but boy, when it was a wild week of football, that's for sure. It was. Um, Tyler, the creator, going on his uh, Call Me If You Get Lost is his sixth studio album um, by the American rapper and producer Tyler, the creator. The album is narrated by DJ Drama and features guest appearances from 42 Doug, Young Boy Never Broke Again, Tyler Dallasine, Lil Wayne, and more. Tyler and friends are going on tour and it starts February 10th, 2022 and will be going to Atlanta, New York, Houston, and LA. He will also have Vince Staples, Caliuchis, and Tizzo touchdown on tour with him. Get tickets now for Tyler's first arena headlining tour. And for all Kansas folk, I'm pretty sure he hits KC. I want to say it's towards the end of February, February 24, 26, something like that. I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but he will be in Kansas city. Uh, early on in the first couple legs of the tour. So make sure y'all go get tickets to that tour. Obviously, Tyler, the creator, one of the better rap albums that came out last year. Production masterpiece. It was a great album. Definitely listen to it if you haven't. Definitely get tickets if you like that album. It's gonna. I'm, I'm sure Tyler is going to put on a show at that tour. So into our recaps from what people are calling one of the best weekends in football ever. We'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about the games themselves before we get to the title. Let's uh, let's start out with Bengals versus Titans. Boy, um, definitely not a game that you thought was going to be the you know the barn burner of that it was. It um, was definitely an itch. It was a different game than I thought it would be for sure. And it, it was a different game than the rest as well. Yes, absolutely. Still close, um, still a really good game, but just in a different way. I think my biggest takeaway was when we talk, you know, we do these previews and you're like, you're betting on this quarterback to get you a win or you're betting this quarterback not to lose you a game. We always, the two names I feel like always come up are in this division and it's Carson Wentz and it's the Titans quarterback, Ryan Daniel. 
And, and the, really, that's what it came down to. I mean, yeah. from a standpoint of what more could the Titans as a team do do to put them in a winning position, I, I don't think there's much. I mean, maybe a, a, a healthier Derrick Henry makes a bigger impact on this game than we're giving him credit for, but he still yeah. played really, really well. I mean, like, he had 85 yards his first game back in, what, eight to ten weeks? Yeah, it's been a long time, so... Um. I think the only thing they could have done differently was just call like there was a couple third and fourth down calls where they I feel like they should have handed it off to Henry and they let Tannehill try to make a decision and it bit him. Right. And so that credit to Tannehill as well, three picks, two of them tipped up in the air and picked off. That last one was the same way. It's just one of those things where you can't as a quarterback, like I give you the the tip of the hat, I know it wasn't your fault. You didn't. It wasn't a misread coverage. A bad. Like you got to know that the game on the line. It's not the time to be squeezing windows. You know, right? You got to you got to take what's there and like not like oh, it's kind of there. I could probably like it's either there, or it's not, and you make the throw based off that hundred percent sure decision, and the throw wasn't there. Picked this, off. Yeah. This what this. It is. This team is one of those teams that I feel like isn't talked about enough of like Tennessee is genuinely, I think they're the best team that's a quarterback away. I mean, you have AJ Brown as a legit number one. Julio Jones is a strong number two. You have the best running back in all of football, Derrick Henry. I mean, that defense put so much pressure on Joe Burrow throughout the game. Yeah, if if you were ever looking for a kryptonite for that that Cincinnati offense side, uh, think Tennessee found it. They did, but at the same time, it's like Jamar Chase still had five catches for 100, 109 yards. Joe Burrow still had a really good QBR rating. Like he ate the sacks well. Like he didn't yeah, force the ball. Yeah, you gotta, and that's where props goes to him as well. Because as a young quarterback, it's hard to sit back there and just take the licks, especially when you still have the ball in your hand. It's very tough to just be able to just kind of pull it down and eat it every once in a while. And it wasn't every once in a while. It was 10, was it nine times he got sacked in that game? It was, it was a ton. I got a look. I think it was nine or 10. He's the first quarterback. I know he's the first quarterback in playoff history, or I think he's like the third ever in playoff history to ever be sacked nine times and win and still win a football game. They they sacked him nine times that game. Yeah. Absolute insanity. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more you can do if basically what this game comes down to is is one Tennessee kind of wrote the book of, you know, if I'm Kansas City, I look at this and I go, okay, yeah, now we know we have to. This is how we can apply pressure. I'm looking at Chris Jones. I'm looking at Frank Clark. I'm looking at the linebackers that don't get involved. I'm looking at the backup yeah. DTs and the rotational DNs. And I'm like, listen, we got to get after it. Yeah. And you've this, played this team before this year. You know what these guys do well. They beat you in Cincinnati. Now you're an arrowhead. It's going to be harder to talk, harder to communicate. The offensive line isn't going to be in sync as it was in Cincinnati. you got to get after it. The game is going to be won inside the trenches this week. Yeah. We'll talk more about that game. But I, if, if I'm Tennessee's GM, I don't know how I can go into next season with Ryan Tannehill. I, re- I really, really don't. This team yeah. played so well all year. Uh, I mean, they held it, the one seed without Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible. And and Derrick Henry will be back next year. I mean, who knows if Julio Jones will be sustainable. Hopefully, you know, you can get some more games out of him next year. But, yeah, 
if I'm a Titans fan, I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty bad. I'm in my feelings pretty badly right now. Yeah, and we'll I'll, I'll circle back to the Titans and their quarterback situation once we talk about our last game. But, okay. Uh, first game on Saturday in the NFC. Uh, 49ers versus Packers here. Um, kind of, I would, I would say the surprise of the week, uh, to say the least. I, I don't agree. think, I don't think anyone really, I mean, some people were calling it maybe, but I feel like there were, I feel like know. we all, a, a majority of people picked the Bengals to win. And then a majority of people picked the Packers to win. And then the other two games were kind of 50, 50 down the middle. Right. So there wasn't really a clear cut favorite either way where like these two games had favorites. We were right about the first one. We both picked the Bengals and on this one, uh, we both picked the Packers. And we were both wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought Aaron Rodgers has so much to go out and lose here and they just didn't finish. It was just, it was just a disappointing game. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what, for, for about six to seven minutes, it was, it looked like a bludgeoning was about to happen. That first drive was just textbook. You couldn't draw it up better. Short pass here, long pass there, short run there. AJ Dillon, you know, Aaron Jones gets involved. Devontae Adams gets involved. And then, you know, AJ Dillon punches it in. They come out to get a stop, you get the ball back. That Mercedes Lewis fumble, boom, momentum yeah. shift. And it was all downhill for Green Bay after that. Yeah, I would. This is one of those games where Jimmy Garoppolo did not necessarily win this game. I mean, you could argue he did just by the way that he played on that final drive to set up the game-winning field goal. But no touchdowns for him. Only one interception. He hasn't had a touchdown all playoffs. He didn't throw it against Dallas either. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? This is insane. And remember, we talked about this kind of earlier on in the year. We heard these murmurs online and everything that like people were talking about. Not only is Kyle Shannon not a top five coach, he's – not a top get- ten coach, and he should arguably be on the hot seat, depending. And this is, you know, when they started like three and five, people were like, "Shanahan might be on the hot seat," and I was like, "Just wait, yeah, Just wait, let's watch." I think the fact that the 49ers are in the NFC title game with that stat, Jimmy Garoppolo has not thrown a passing touchdown against Dallas or against Green Bay, and they are in the NFC title game, and they scored no offensive touchdowns last week. They had the game-winning field goal. They had a field goal in the first quarter, and they had a blocked punt for a touchdown in that game in Green Bay. So let's let's look at it this way. So let's let's list the four quarterbacks playing next weekend. You have oh god, an ad started playing. I hate that when that happens. So <laughs> you have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford. And Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Yep. And you would sit here and say, hey, one of these doesn't belong. You know what the difference is? Is So what this tells me is to win in the NFL, you have to either have an elite quarterback, a top 12 guy, mm-hmm. or you have to have Kyle Shanahan, a great running game, uh, amazing tight end, an amazing wide receiver, uh, a Hall of Fame linebacker, uh, an all pro DN. Yeah. You're like you just have to have the absolute perfect situation. You have to have the perfect the- roster and the perfect game plan put together. And <laughs> exactly. you can get there. Like and you if you have take- everything, yeah. you could get there <laughs> without the quarterback. It's it's possible, but yeah, like is that I obviously the ideal way to win? No, but I mean again, 
the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill is Jimmy Garoppolo had one interception. Ryan Tannehill had three. So yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't win the Niners game, but he did not lose them the game. Like Ryan Tannehill lost the Tennessee Titans. That right. So it's understanding the differences there of like how, how big of a deal is that? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take a Jimmy Garoppolo who's not going to cost me the game. He did everything he could to keep his game, keep his team in the game here. Yeah. Now, mind you, the only touchdown San Francisco scored was a uh, defensive mm-hmm. or a special teams play. Special teams. But let's let's talk about the flip side. Let's talk about the Packers for a little bit. Do you think this is a bad look for Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur? It it's to, I definitely think to me it falls more on coaching and it's not to give Aaron Rodgers a pass because he didn't play great he played bad in the fourth quarter the offense was stagnant outside of the first drive they didn't play great to win the game I give mm-hmm. you that but it it falls back more into coaching because with the game playing how it is like you can't expect your offense to go out there and win you every single game Def- offense wins games defense wins championships special teams swings both sides they can right. do it all so and special teams matters and you know special teams doesn't matter until it does and the the packers special teams unit left 10 points well they left 3 points off the board and they allowed 7 to go up for San Francisco, there's a 10 point swing for, for green Bay in that game, just because their special teams, unit alone, they had the, they had their field goal get blocked at the end of the first half. And obviously that the blocked punt for a touchdown. So what was the end score of this game? 13, 10, 13, 10. Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at green Bay wins this game 16 to three. If, if uh, their special teams game holds up, that's a solid win. And that's with with how good Green Bay's defense is. I think sixteen points should be able to take down Kyle Shanahan, but in and, and the and the Niners. But the interesting take that I saw was, and it's something that I've never I don't know how I've never thought about this. Um, Green Bay has kind of built this team with this you know this MVP level quarterback. We have the best receiver, if, you know, a top three receiver in the game. We have a solid running back who's also really good at catching the ball into the backfield. And we have the solid defense, but we play in inclement weather all the time. Our home right. field advantage puts us in a spot where our offense, we have this great game plan where if we played in San Francisco, then we'd be unstoppable. No weather sure. stops this offense. But And then you look at San Francisco and the, the scheme that, that Kyle Shanahan runs out there with the Niners, and they're built to play in inclement weather when they play out in the Bay. So right. you build this team up that is was really good and could go out to San Francisco and get a win, but San Francisco could come into your building and play better just because they're built for inclement weather, and your team, who plays there eight games out of the year, isn't. So I have a couple of thoughts to that. One, I feel like that structure is built to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Right? I agree. I think that's the only thing you can do. So I feel, I feel like the Packers have been put in a spot where they have to do this, and so ultimately, I put the game on Roger's shoulders because if I told you San Francisco, going into this game, San Francisco scores 13 points, and I don't tell you Green Bay score, do you think Green Bay wins the game? Yeah, 100%. Nine, nine, yeah, exactly. 90 100%. to 95% of the time you go, yeah, Green Bay is going to win that game. So what more 
can can the organization do right like at some point there has to be some form of like somebody's got to take responsibility for this and i mean aaron Rodgers is going to make it a big ordeal and make it super distracting and talk about a million other things but man i don't know i just you have special weapons and and it just didn't work you know i I think the best way for me to put it is if you look at the scoreboard the game is on Aaron Rodgers. When I look at the stat sheet and see how the points were scored, I think the game is on the coaching staff and their special teams unit not being ready. And we yeah. saw this last year. The The LA Chargers had the number one offense and the number one defense in the National Football League. They did not make the playoffs because they had the worst special teams, one of the worst in NFL history, let alone amongst the 32 teams that were fielded last year. And here we go, Green Bay. It was bad all year. They knew it was bad. They had a whole extra week to work on it. You didn't do any. What were you doing last week? Yeah. You were, you didn't know who you were playing yet. It could have been Dallas. It could have been the Niners. It could have been the Eagles. If they somehow pulled up the offset against Tampa Bay, you have no idea who you're playing. Let's get the stuff that we can control under control. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I'll, we, it's not a dead week, obviously, but let's fix the things that are going to be problems regardless of who we play. Special teams. Nothing. So there's definitely blames all around. And I feel like Rogers sometimes can skate out with less blame than he should. I think this is one of the games that it's happening. Right. But there's there's multiple parties to blame, that's for sure. And it leaves Green Bay in a really, really bad spot going to the offseason. Forty million in the hole. Devontae Adams isn't on contract. Aaron Rodgers' future is uncertain. A lot of defensive guys' contracts are up or huge cap hits in the last year of their deal. The the money was not well planned out. For, for this team, whereas like the Niners, they front-loaded all of Jimmy G's money into the first two and two and a half, three years of his contract to where they have a lot of flexibility. It's not a super bad contract if they were to try to trade Jimmy G now, whereas the, I feel like the Packers didn't really kind of look out. They were playing Madden. They're like, oh, you get a five-year extension. You get a three-year. Didn't really look at where the money was landing at each year, and they have now put themselves $45 million in the hole with a couple of contracts unresolved going into the offseason. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here because if you're them, you have to look at your Super Bowl window as closing, not opening. So you have to. You have to go all in. You have to make moves that are going to, you know what I mean, put you in a position to win right now. Um, because honestly, what is Devontae Adams' value if Aaron Rodgers isn't your starting quarterback, right? If they go in with Jordan Love, is it really going to benefit Devontae Adams or Jordan Love for either one of them to have each other? I mean, yeah, but they're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl with Jordan Love next year. So yeah. it's, I don't know. It's one of those things that I don't blame. I never want <clears throat> to blame a team for going all in on their Super Bowl window. I'm and, all in for the Super Bowl window. I think you just got to try to structure. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give Zadarius Smith four years, 80 million, or whatever it is. I'm going to give Devontae three years, 80 million, and trying to make sure that looking at where my money is already spent year to year, that I'm trying to levy out the money. I'm not dropping all that money into the same year. It's yeah, the only thing they could have done better. Maybe. But there's not a ton of front offices that really look out that far in advance. And that's uh, really – it's really hard to do too because I mean, – There's a lot of moving parts. I and mean, we were talking about 53 contracts you're trying to do that with. It's an impossible puzzle to put together. Yeah. And I mean, they're not the worst cap situation. I mean, the Saints are way worse. The Saints are way worse. But the, the gap between – so there's five teams that are in the hole right now. And I'd much rather be the Packers than anybody else because guess what? Like you said, the, the Super Bowl window is open. This yeah. is definitely a team that could have won one this year. If Aaron Rodgers is back – 
even without Devontae Adams, I think the window is still open next year. Yeah. Um, whereas you look at like the Saints, the window not really open. I think the Falcons were one of the teams that were in the hole. Their window obviously not open. And there was two or three other, I think the Cowboys. So the, the gaps between the five teams is like you have two teams that are like two and four million. The Cowboys are at 12 and then it's the Packers at 40 and then the Saints at 70. Yeah. So the cap situation gets a little out of whack, but that's stuff for another day. We didn't even talk about our predictions for each game. We both predicted the Bengals, so we both got that right. Mm-hmm. This game, we both predicted the Packers. We were both wrong on that. So nope. um, we're, both we're currently one. both one and one at the moment. Um, you know, I didn't wasn't able to complete the perfect sweep again. So sorry for oh. for all of those who you know thought I was the Swami to Darn. to throw back to an oldie here. Um, next game we got Rams versus Bucks. Uh, Owen had the the Bucks winning. I I called my shot, said the Rams were going to win this one, and yep. it uh, played out that way. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I I wanted. To, I mean, obviously the first two games, game winning field goals, very exciting games. This one, obviously another game winning field goal. I think the fireworks were definitely a lot brighter here. Um. Mm-hmm. But again, not in cold weather. We're playing down in Florida. We're able to get some. Were they in Florida? They were in LA, weren't they? They were in LA, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, still in a dome. Who cares? Um, weather not a factor. Fireworks were flying, nonetheless. Um, yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that we have to give credit to, even though the Bucks didn't win, the fact that Tom Brady was down twenty-seven to three. In the third quarter, mm-hmm. and was able to make this game interesting. Anyone who thinks Tom Brady still doesn't have it, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, what are you I watching? <laughs> yeah. I want to know what football games you are watching on Sunday because they're obviously not. They're not the games that are happening now, and I'd be like, "You're watching old tape," but the old tapes just as good, if not better. So I don't know what you're watching if you don't yeah. think Tom Brady still got it. I mean. The Rams, the Rams gave the Buccaneers. It, it's, I don't. It's when I say it like this, it's not right at all. The, the Rams gave the Buccaneers every opportunity to win this game, and it just didn't happen. Because despite the Rams giving the Bucks every opportunity to win this game, and the Bucks cashing in on almost every single offer, Matthew Stafford still decided to just put the dagger in, put the knife in it with four seconds on the clock. Absolutely insane. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I'll say is, I mean, one, I got to give credit for Matthew Stafford not being the one who gave the, you know what I mean? He wasn't the one yeah, giving no. the game away. Cam Akers uh, had two fumbles down the stretch that hurt him. Cooper um, Cup fumbled it. Cooper um, Cup fumbled in that game. I think they had four lost fumbles. They did, in yeah, that game, four lost which fumbles. Which is brutal, brutal stuff. And Matthew Stafford, again, didn't didn't quite have... It's hard to say he didn't have a wowing performance because he really did, but it didn't feel like the game was on his back. Still, you know, they were still Agreed, able yeah. to run the ball effectively and think and and have multiple elements to the offense, so it wasn't completely on his back. Whereas Tampa Bay, they they said our forty four year old quarterback is just going to strap up, put the team in his shoulder back, shoulder the and F go. And load, yeah, yeah. So I I got to give kudos to Matthew Stafford. I think this is. You know, I would say even after last week, because he really didn't win him the game. It was like, again, like we've said it a couple times here where it's like, okay, 
we didn't win it because of you, but we definitely didn't lose it because of you. <laughs> this is a game where it felt like Matthew Stafford played up to the standard that the Rams were hoping for. Yeah. Like this is a game where I don't think they win this with Jared Goff. This is the game where you go, that's why you make that trade. You know, you yeah. can look at this and say, this is the difference right here. Hundred percent. Yeah. Didn't play above expectations, but played right where he needed to be, you know? Exactly. Um, and there's been a lot of talk. I've had people ask me where, where Cooper Cup falls on the range for wide receivers. Obviously, a lot of people have been debating. Some people want to come out and say he's top three. Some people say he's top 10. Some people say he's not top 15. Um, Which is just crazy. Just and I, I understand I understand where people are coming from. When you're looking at physical talent, no, he's not, he's not the most talented guy on the field. Guess what? Tom Brady never was either. Here we are, seven rings later, 44 years old, and he's still an MVP candidate. So physical talent doesn't always mean anything. And I can understand they're like, oh, he gets all this reps in the slot. He's not facing top corners. He's facing linebackers and slot corners all the time. He's, you know, this and that and trying to discredit everything. And I, again, I understand it to a certain degree, but there is a certain point where production cannot be ignored. And the first triple crown winner since 2005 is production that you cannot ignore. And you watch that last drive by the Rams, those two passes route running that cannot be ignored. I don't understand. I don't know if it was a misplay by the Bucks secondary or if it was just a bad play call by the Bucks coaching staff. How Cooper Cup gets behind your safeties with the game on the line with what 20 seconds left. Yeah. It's makes crazy. Zero sense to me. I don't understand how it happens. If there's anybody on that field that needed to be highlighted on that play, especially after he just ripped a 25-yarder to get you to midfield, that is the guy that needs to be covered, if not double-covered. Here, here's the thing I'll, I'll counter-argue people's argument of like, oh, well, he's getting you know the second or third best corner or whatever, right? So, you know what? There's fucking 31 other guys in the NFL who are also getting the third best corner. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what? They didn't lead the league in receiving receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So mm-hmm. he's making the most out of the opportunities he has. And at some point you have to go, okay, why isn't the defense putting their number one guy on him? Like what, why, why is this just not happening? It doesn't, I don't know if I'm buying the argument entirely there when it comes to the Cooper cup. hate. Um, yeah, I think the talent around him definitely helps. Um, you know, OBJ has been a nice addition, but even before when it was Robert Woods, uh, Tyler Higby isn't, you know, an elite tight end necessarily, but he's good. I, better you know, than I, most. Better than most. Yeah, Middle he's of the, the pack top. fifteen to ten somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. He's he's a he's a top half of the league kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows about Cam Akers. Sony Michelle had a, a decent year for him this year, kind of filling in for Cam Akers when he was out. So it, and then you have Sean McVay, right? Who's the who's the biggest offensive help that you could possibly ask yeah, for? The right? mastermind behind it all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for, for next week's game. We'll, we'll get into it more, but you have Sean McVay and Kyle and Kyle Shanahan. And mm-hmm. if there was ever to be an offensive chess match, this is going to be it right here. hundred percent. hundred percent. Very, very excited for that divisional, for that, that NFC title game. And we're definitely going to talk about it when we get there. Yep. Uh, next game we got is Bills versus Chiefs. 
Man, there's the finale for the weekend, the finale for the division we're on, and boy, did it not disappoint. Good yeah. Lord, what an effing game, what an effing performance from both quarterbacks. And when we talked about Ryan Tannehill earlier, and you're like, I don't know, as a, as a Titans fan or as a Titans front office, how you can go into next year with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. Unless you are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, and even for a Ravens fan, I feel like I'm pushing it, throwing Lamar Jackson into that conversation. If I'm not one of those three to four, maybe five select teams in the AFC, I don't feel comfortable with my quarterback at this point. Watching those two guys go to war, I'm like, I feel even insecure a little bit with having Lamar Jackson, who's a former league MVP. I'm like, I I don't know if you could go to bat with this. I, 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 I don't. I think this is the. I think a better example is this is why Baker Mayfield is not going to get the big contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is the catalyst. This is the you know the peak of, of why it's not going to happen because these two guys are just different. <laughs> yeah, I mean Josh Allen might as well be a running back out there the way he runs the ball. Yep. Um, Patrick Mahomes has been special and, you know, there was a lot of doubt that kind of crept in during the season. You know, are they done? Is it over? Are they not going to make the playoffs? And was it a fluke two years for them? Three years. And, and boy, was this game, everything it meant to be. Um, I, I predicted the bills were going to win this. You had the, you had the Chiefs winning it. Um, So kudos to you for, for getting that one right. But we both split two and two for the weekend. Two and two for the weekend. Every game was in within a touchdown or a field goal in, in overtime the, or play, regular the play. First, yeah, the first time in NFL postseason history that four games for, – for an entire postseason, let alone one weekend, where all four games came down to a game-winning field goal or touchdown in overtime with, with zeros on the clock. So right. when you look at every single game that happens in a postseason, we're looking at last week, this week, AFC title game, and the Super Bowl, no four such games have happened in one postseason run ever, let alone one round of the playoffs. Crazy yeah. weekend. And again, two quarterbacks putting on an absolute masterclass. There was talk coming into the week that Patrick Mahomes was no longer the clear-cut favorite for the best young quarterback in the league. And as much as this game ended that debate because of how well he played, it blew the debate wide open because of how well Josh Allen played. Um, I'm still going to take Patrick Mahomes 10 out of 10 times. I don't care. I've said it for the last year and a half, two years, almost three years now. When you have number 15 in red, anything is possible. And I think he proved that with a minute 58 on the clock. He proved it with a minute 12 on the clock. And then he proved it with 13 seconds on the clock. And he proved it in overtime. The the one thing I'll say is, is Patrick Mahomes definitely is in a different situation, right? Mm-hmm. Because Andy Reid is his head coach. That's his OC. That's he has Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas... On the other side of it, you know, Sean McDermott is a defensive guy for Josh Allen. Um, and if he loses his OC, we'll see how much that actually affects Josh Allen this year. Um, doesn't really have the level of talent surrounding him. You know, they've got good talent. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, Stefan Diggs is, is a really good wide receiver. Yeah, uh, they have they have talent. More than most have, but definitely not as much as Patty has. I think yeah. Patty has a more reliable run game. I agree. If nothing else, by committee, 
Um, and you look at the other side, you have Stephon Diggs, a step down from Tyree Kill, and then Dawson Knox, who's exploded and had a really, really good year, but nowhere still. near as good as Travis Kelsey. Still. Exactly. There's there's a difference there. So that's the mm. one thing I'll say. I would still probably agree with you. I, I wouldn't go 10 out of 10. I'd probably take, you know, Mahomes 70% of the time. Okay. But, yeah, I, I think – and and people are comparing this to, you know, a Brady-Manning game. The one thing I'll say that's slightly different about this rivalry between these two quarterbacks is they are a next level of physically gifted compared to Brady yeah. Manning, right? Those 100%. games were classic, but they were chess matches, right? You know, it was all about hot root. These dudes are the, just different. They're exactly, just special. Yeah. The, 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 the matchup and the rivalry happened before the ball was snapped. It was right. who can read this better, who can make the better adjustment. These guys are like, who can do the most when the ball is <laughs> like the ball is snapped, you got three hundred pound linemen chasing after you. Who could do better now? And these yeah. guys are like, screw the pre snap read. I'm just gonna gun it. And guess what? It works almost every single time. I, I hope this rivalry stays as good as it's been because mm-hmm. it is extremely entertaining because man. I, again, I don't know what more you could want out of Josh Allen. Uh, 329s, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and, and Patrick Mahomes, same thing, you know, 378 yards, three touchdowns. It really came down to that overtime. Um, and then I think the connection between Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes is what gave it that next level, you know? Yeah, and so obviously the elephant in the room was the overtime rule, which it's a damn shame that that's the the headline that comes out of this is that's all we heard about today on all talk shows this game like i have a you know i have a lot of buddies that are chiefs fans obviously where we live and one of my buddy's uncles who's been a chiefs and a royals fan a kansas city guy for an extra 20 years past my my friend has and he said that that is probably the greatest sports moment in kansas city history maybe outside of their 2014 wild card win he's like that game was otherworldly like i had like my, we're in a group chat with some work buddies back from Wichita, and he texts in the group chat the next morning. He's like, "Did that really happen last night, or is that a dream?" Right. And that's yeah. what that game felt. It felt otherworldly. The talent it, that we saw in that. Field. It was every, it 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 was everything that you want it to be. You want it to be, you know, a roller coaster of emotions. It was that. Um, and just when you think the Bills have the game put away, thirteen seconds is it's just not enough time. It's just when you have Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if there is a thing that is, you know, not enough time for them to come back and win. Yeah, there's there's two things that I think epitomize the end of that game perfectly. And like I said, when you have number 15 in red, anything is possible. And exactly what Andy Reid told Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. It's got to be the quote of the year. And I 100%, I mean, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. You know, what are you going to do? Your back's against the wall. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to gun it to Tyree Kill twice. We're going to go kick the field goal, and we're going to go send the game to overtime. Yeah. As far as the overtime rules goes, I absolutely hate the college rules. Well, we'll talk, rules. we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it? Okay. We're going to talk about it. It's in headlines. So we I didn't don't, look we don't... ahead. I apologize. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. Don't... In. I'm in the zone. We're going to talk we about the OT rules. Also, yeah. crazy stat that came from that game. Um Josh Allen was 9-0 on coin tosses this year. He was 0-2 in that game. He lost the opening coin toss. He lost the OT coin toss. And it made those coin tosses may have cost him the game. We'll talk more about that in the long run. But, yeah, that was what a great game. I mean, what yeah. a great, great weekend of games. I, I think the only thing that would rival uh, 
the the quote from Andy Reid was the Bengals kicker saying to yeah the, the Bengals sideline. Well, yeah. looks like we're going to an AFC championship. Yeah, just the the couple swings of the leg is like, well, looks like we're going to the AFC title game. That's <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, damn, that's that is a team that has some swagger to it, you know. Yeah, and I think the delivery, like the the way that Joe Burrow said it on the podium, makes it ten times better. Usually, you know, the couple swings of legs, like, eh, like, like it was so casual. He's like, well, looks like we're going to the AFC title game. You're I like, know. Good lord. And and again, that's not Justin Tucker out there. That's not Matt Gay. It's not Gostowski, Vinatieri. That's a rookie that they took in the fifth round of this year out of Florida. Yeah. So okay. hey. I'm happy for the kid. That was a good. That was that was another great like little moment from this playoffs for sure. And, and we talked about that with the Packers game. Special teams doesn't matter until it does. This game, this weekend, epitomizes how important special teams is to the game of football. The Bengals game winning field goal, 49ers game winning field goal, Rams game winning field goal, Chiefs game tying field goal put it to overtime. It's. It won games this weekend. Kickers won games this weekend. Punchers sure. are people too. Never forget. Agreed it. for the brand. <laughs> so before we get into our headlines today, a quick word from the TNA podcast. They are an adult themed comedy podcast. The show is basically two guys just shooting the shit about subjects picked by their audience via website and social media interactions. The TNA podcast will entertain offers for on-air reads, as well as possible spot trades for other podcasts. Listen to TNA podcasts today, new shows daily. So, finish up with the own show. Finish up with some of the new programming we got here on BDL. I mean, if you're really just a podcast fiend, like I know some of you guys are, obviously the BDL family has expanded. You got a lot more content to listen to. Uh, now, um, on Mondays, bi-weekly, we got What's Streaming from Bryce Hirayama uh, that came out this last week. Make sure you go listen to his first pilot. So that'll be coming out at 9 a.m. Central Time every other Monday. Uh, the Bullpen Bros with Matt and Brett will be coming out every week, I believe. I could be wrong. I believe it's an every week show uh, with us. It'll be 9 a.m. Tuesday mornings. Uh, their pilot is also out now. Make sure you go listen to that. The Mansion with Sam will be bi-weekly. He will, should be having a show, should have a show out by now. If not, we'll definitely have a mansion out for you next week. That show will be bi-weekly on Wednesdays. The Owen Show, moving into the Thursday time slot to accommodate for all the new programming. 10 a.m. Central Time every Thursday. You know us weekly here on BDL. And obviously, your regularly scheduled BDL programming on Fridays with me, Shay, and Sam. Episode 14, out this Friday, out tomorrow, 12 p.m. Central Time every Friday. We're there, just like normal. So, with that, into our headlines for this week. Tim, what do you got for me? Uh, this is one we didn't, we didn't, we just kind of were running out of time to talk about it last week when we were talking <laughs> about all the head coaching changes. But this is something that, frankly, uh, I think is super important and isn't getting enough attention. We'll see how many how many minority coaches are hired, but it's honestly the lack of minority head coaches in the NFL right now. Um, Agreed, yeah. It is in a league that is 70% minority. Um, it's, it's absurd to me that currently I uh, staffed, I believe we have one black coach and that's it. Um, Which is who, who is it? I'm blanking. Uh, Brian Flores was the second one. I don't, I don't remember who the other one is. I'll have to look real quick. Mike Tom. Um, Mike Thomas. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Brian Flores obviously was in in Miami before. Um, 
Yeah, before this, but that's still two out of 32 teams, and one of them got fired this year. So uh, I I think there's a lack of representation there. Um, I I think the best solution, you know, they have the Rooney rule right now that requires them to interview, you know, minority candidates and things like that. I I genuinely think we need to evaluate the way we look at assistant coaches um, and position coaches, right? Mm. So I think we need to set a minimum standard of, minorities on uh, staff overall, because I think once we get minorities in a position of position coaches, that means we'll have more minorities that become offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, special teams coordinators. And the more minorities we have in those positions, the more minorities we'll see get opportunities to become head coaches. So, And, and you look at a team like Tampa Bay led by Bruce Arians, very prominent, well, head coach, has been a head coach for a long time. Look at his two coordinators, Todd Bowles, Brian Leftwich, both up for multiple job opportunities this in this coaching cycle. So we should have two more um, minority head coaches joining. Brian Flores is supposed to be a top hire. So we're definitely going to get some guys back in, but I do agree with you. It starts from promoting within. Like, you have to get these guys in the door. Yeah. No, no, and if required, like they could be required to interview 17 minority head coaches or minority coaches for their head coaching job. If they're interviewing nothing but linebackers and, and guys that are just coming straight from college and not any coordinators, those guys are likely not to get those jobs. I, I feel like, and this happens a lot in the NFL, and I don't have a problem with it, but I just. I think it kind of speaks to the why the Rooney rule doesn't work. Jacksonville went into last offseason. They knew who they were going to hire as their head coach, right? They mm-hmm. knew that they were going to go out and get Urban Meyer. So anyone else they interviewed was kind of a waste of time. Agreed. The Raiders were this way when, when they went out and got John Gruden mm-hmm. to come back. So the the problem is, is, is the opportunity is nice to interview with them. The overall problem is there's not enough opportunity as a whole in the NFL for, for these opportunities. You know what I mean? In coaching spots. So that's really what we need to fix first is is give – we need to have more position coaches that are minorities. We need to have yeah. more coordinators that are minorities. Um, I agree. I, I think there has to be some kind of minimum mandate on how many because it's absurd that we have so many minorities playing the game and they're just not represented at the next level. It's it's crazy. Agreed, yeah, 100%. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much else you could do. It's there's got to be some mandates going forward, and I agree because it, it's it comes down to brass. Like you can interview all the the coaching candidates you want for your head coaching job, but who are you more likely to to go after? Kellen Moore, who's the top OC, or are you going to go after a guy you know like Gerard Mayo, who no disrespect to him is a guy that's a position coach is where Kellen Moore's kind of been, it's the job status of it. Whereas Gerard Mayo's a DC, you look at a guy like Todd Bowles at Tampa Bay, you're like, okay, that's a coordinator. Coordinators just are higher up on the food chain than position coaches are. You've got to get more guys into that coordinator spot to then promote those guys up to being head coaches. And I feel like Gerard Mayo is like the worst example because like we don't have defensive coordinators in New England. In New England, yeah. That's just Bill Belichick. But Brian Flores was, quote-unquote, a defensive coordinator when he was hired out of New England. But, yeah, I, I think, to, in my mind, that is the only way we, we fix this problem um, because the lack of minority represent, re- representation at the head coach is bad, and it's really bad in the coordinator spot. So I, I think, genuinely, that's the easiest fix there to, to kind of get that get that done. But 
that's that's just something I feel like isn't getting talked about enough. And you know, the small platform we have, I wanted to take some time in an episode to kind of talk about it and how I would fix it because that is something that I'm definitely passionate about is, you know, the coaching and the off season and stuff like that. I love that part of this, this game. And I think that's what makes the NFL the best is the season really never ends, right? Like yeah. we're going to talk about football uh, until February when the Super Bowl is. And then, yeah. you know, in March when the draft picks up, we'll talk about it for another month of nothing but the draft and then free agency will be here. And then before you blink, you're like, Oh crap, we're, we're already into the next season. So yeah, we, we are the local NFL network. There's no such thing as an off season. <laughs> around here there's there's time where football is not being played but there's never time where football is not talked about yeah absolutely um next headline we got for you is change the ot rules so now now you can go ahead and get your soapbox backs out you know you know jump up on it now you can go on your zone here yeah go go on your rant um so we we've seen this time and time again You know, there's been multiple times over the years where teams have been screwed over by uh, the OT coin toss rule. Um, The the Chiefs were subject to it in 2018, Patrick Mahomes' first run. They got boned by it against the Patriots, and Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl that year and won. So um, it's it's one of those things that's been needed to change for a long time. I still don't know how it hasn't, to be honest. Um, I guess if they're working towards a long-term solution, I'm all for it because I hate the way college is. Um, college makes sense for where it's at. I don't think that system would work in the NFL. The I think last not last night the the Chiefs Bills game is a perfect example of why the rule needs to change because obviously when you look at the fourth quarter, especially when you look at the last two minutes. Whoever won that coin toss is winning the game because neither defense was getting a stop. Whether it was the 27th ranked Chiefs or the number one ranked Bills, those offenses ran that game and they ran the last two minutes. So either team got the ball first. That game was over, barring anything unforeseen that we hadn't seen in the previous four quarters. Now, again, you switch to the college rules. We did this whole tip for tat, drive for drive, back and forth thing. Those guys would have been playing all night because, like I said, no one was getting stops. It wasn't happening. Was the worst defense in in the playoffs in the Chiefs, or it was the best defense in the, in the Bills? Neither defense was getting off the field on third down. They couldn't get off the field on fourth down. It was an offensive masterclass for a reason. So, and it's one of those things where you know people are like, "Well, you have to give Josh Allen a chance." And football is a team game. Like I said, the Bills had the number one defense throughout the regular season. As much as Josh Allen didn't get a chance, the defense did. And I get it. It's tough to stop the Chiefs. Trust me. I wouldn't want to be out there trying to call against it. I wouldn't want to line up at corner facing Tyree Killer, Travis Kelsey each play. But that's what you're getting paid to do. You know, so you got to go out there as a defense and try to do your job as best you can. Um, I, I, I think for me, I think there's a middle ground. Because I do agree with you that college football is too gimmicky and too... It just it doesn't it doesn't it's work. It's a college for the NFL. rule. It, it works for college. It does. It wouldn't work for the NFL. Those guys would have been playing for a full another three quarters, like of game time, with how many drives they would have went back and forth. So I know you're a stats guy. I'll give you I'll give you some interesting stats here. Um, so in the regular season OT this year, it was about fifty percent. So fifty five percent of the time, the team that got the ball first won. Uh, 45% of the time, the other team won. In the playoffs over the last couple of years, it's 10-1. and one. 
Yeah. The team that gets the ball first wins ten has won ten times. The other team has won once. You know so, who that one team is out of curiosity? No, who? Okay. <clears throat> I was just curious. If you don't know, I'm oh. not too worried about it. I was just curious. Oh, okay. No, I don't oh, I thought you knew. I was like, wow, that's impressive. I wish. I wish I did. I'm out I don't know. I'm sure you can Google it. Um the biggest thing I'll say is I think we need to have separate overtime for the playoffs. And I think that's the only argument I've heard that makes sense, right? Because one, we have to keep in mind player safety, right? We don't want guys out there playing for another 10 or 15 minutes, right? We just That's just not possible in the NFL. We have too many injuries as it is. They added another game. So I think the best solution is, and I mean, I, you, can, you can fire away with me on this one, but each team should get one possession, okay? And then we go to a kickoff. I've I proposed this a long time ago. I really think it's like I think it's a really entertaining way of doing it too. So basically, let's say in this game we go touchdown, touchdown in the two positions, right? We then mm-hmm. basically play a game of horse with the kickers. So we Which again special teams batters, right? So we kick a forty yarder. Each team kicks a forty yarder. And then we go to the 45, and then we go to the 50, and then a 55, until one team misses. Mm-hmm. And, and like, special teams is out there trying to block all that fun stuff. So yep. I think it's a way of not Both making Both teams it kicking into the same wind, kicking to the same post. Yeah, same direction, everything like that. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, as a, as a football fan, and as, you know, just an NFL fan, not 100% keen to it off the top of my head. Uh, maybe it's interesting watching it. As a Ravens fan, go for it. I know right. I'm, I know that if we if we get to that point, I'm never losing a game. For the next 10 years, I'm set. <laughs> I, I got I the think, best kicker in football. I think the only other solution that I've heard that I liked is you go one possession each, and then it becomes sudden death. I think for the playoffs, play a whole nother quarter. No, no way. As much as people, maybe not a whole quarter. Give me ten minutes. Maybe. Give me ten. Give me ten minutes. I don't think I don't think five is enough because I think at that point you could just kind of run the clock out and kick it. And not seven other teams seven to ten is probably the sweet spot. Yeah, somewhere in there. I would. Say. Uh, I'm all. Give me an eight to ten minute quarter. Play the whole thing out. Winner comes out on top. You know. You know, and if we have, you know, if then obviously we have to address what happens if they're tied after ten minutes. That's a whole other thing. I looked it up. There's been, like you said, 11 playoff games that have went to overtime since the rule change of 2010. 10 and 1. You know who that one team that lost was? What? That won the coin toss and lost the game was probably the most infamous game that went to overtime on this list. I I think, wait, was it it Seattle versus? No. no, That would have been too old. Never mind. Go ahead. It's, uh, remember the blown PI call in the Rams Saints game? Oh, that's the Saints right. won the coin toss. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And remember, yeah. I talk about that all the time. Everybody's like, "Oh, the blown PI call. The refs cost the Saints the game." Drew Brees got the ball first in overtime. Yeah, that's right. I that's the about one that. game where the coin toss didn't win him. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, that's other cool. than that, every single time that that coin toss has decided it, um, which is crazy because it's happened. Now with that game, it's happened three times in the last two seasons. Yeah. So I, I I'm a fan of leaving it 
alone in the regular season, and then we got to find some kind of happy middle ground for the playoffs. 100%. I, I think there should be a happy middle ground for the regular season as well, but it has to. Let's take care of the important stuff first. We got to fix the playoffs. Playoffs. Well, here's the other thing: is if you lose an overtime game in the regular season, you've got next week to go out and play. Agreed. Whereas yeah. in the playoffs, it's you know win or go home. So. Yeah, survive in advance. Yeah, making it more fair and balanced for that, and putting player safety maybe at a not a secondary but a lower lower position. I I get. Whereas yeah, yep. In the regular, I guarantee season, you, Josh Allen wanted to trot back onto that field afterwards last night. Oh, I, I, everyone everyone at home watching wanted it to happen, too, because it would have been way more entertaining. I was like, so. as a football fan, hell yeah, trying back yeah. out there. Oh, no, I want another 10 minutes of this. Oh, you absolutely. guys can play all night. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would not have complained about that. But I don't know. It's it's interesting to me with football. We're so scared to extend the game where in basketball, they just keep going until somebody wins. Um, Syracuse oh, yeah. and UConn went for like six overtimes. Like, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember trying to stay up for that whole game, but yeah, like basketball, we don't care. We just say, keep going. I like gear up and go for it. Yeah. Better get the Gatorade ready. Cause we're going. So I think, uh, I think something's gotta be done. I agree that I it can't stay as it. And it's, I think we're, yeah, I think everyone should, I don't think there's a single soul in the NFL, in the NFL verse, whether it's a fan coach, player, front office member that is like, oh yeah, the OT rule is fair and balanced. Keep it the way it is. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there is that one crackpot guy, but we're not listening to them. <laughs> um, next subject to talk about is Tom Brady's last game ever, maybe. Um, Possibly. I don't know if you've heard any of his press conferences or mm-hmm, anything I like did. that. He's He's been awkwardly rounding the question and not rounding the question in a way that makes you think he's going to come back and play. Is the way that I'm going to word it. Um, and it's also, it's awkward that it's kind of sprung. I feel like it's sprung up. We didn't hear this in week 15, 16, 17, 18. Um, we, th- that's not true. He did, he did a Did we talk pod- about it? Uh, we maybe didn't, but we other didn't. shows. Did they talk about it? Uh, he did a podcast in like, I want to say week 10 or week 12. And Dan Patrick asked him about retirement. And he was like, I'm going to take time after the season. I got to evaluate. My kids are getting older and. He kind of gave like hints towards that this might be the last ride, kind of midway through the season. Um, for some reason, no one really talked about it, but some of the shows did. But yeah, so I Tom Brady's kind of been hinting at it all year. And this is it's it's tough because I mean we've heard this for for God knows how long, you know, probably for almost ten years now. We probably heard this. So, oh, yeah. Brady might hang it up after the end of the year. I think this is kind of the first time where he sparked it and the media hasn't. Yeah. Which it, makes it this, a little bit more real. This feels the most legit that I think it's ever been. Um when it comes to legitimacy of him actually hanging it up after this year. Um yeah. he said he's not gonna make a decision right away, he's gonna take some time, but I I think it would be crazy um to hang it up now because I mean the guy threw 40 touchdowns. You know, he was a Dude's borderline an, MVP he's candidate. A, yeah, he's an MVP finalist. Um, which is nuts. At the age of 44. It's absolutely insane. So, I, 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 do I think agree. If, he, if he hangs it up, it's going to be family related, not player related. 100%. And I think um, there's not anything football-wise that will make him want to hang it up. He's still playing at a high level. He has a Super Bowl contending team. Possibly yes. the NFC getting easier if Aaron Rodgers is leaving and being traded elsewhere. Um, 
So it, it's tough because, again, it's one of those things. It's the same thing against, like, betting on Brady in a game. You know, like I looked at last week when I bet for him against the Rams, and I'm like, this is a 50-50 toss-up game. And I'll tell you what, I've been burned one too many times to bet against Tom Brady. This is one of the times I got burned. It's fair enough. But still, you know, he plays next year. You asked me, he goes, he's going to the divisional round against the Packers. And I'm like, well, I ain't betting against Brady. I'm going with him, you know. And it's one of those things where, again, it's come to the same thing when it comes to his career ending. I'm like, I'm betting on it not happening because for the last 10 years it hasn't happened. Right. Yeah. Um, I I do agree. I think Rich Eisen said it best was if, you know, as much as he shouldn't and everyone thinks he shouldn't and as much as he may not think so, if his daughter and his wife come to him in the offseason and say, hey, dad, I wish you were around more often, I think he'll hang it up in a heartbeat. I I think think he has to. Yeah. I get that. He is 100% motivated by his family. I think Giselle's the only reason he's played this long is she's been able to handle so many things outside of football for him and has supported him through every step of the journey, you know? So especially if his kids are ready to have him around more often, I could 100% see that. And, um, and and how motivated can you be? You know, it's like at a certain point. What more do you have to prove? Right. Like, what is there? What is there? You left are the, the career leader in almost every major stat category. You are the career leader in Super Bowls by a player. It, it, the guy has almost literally has nothing left to prove. Uh, the there's. All- only thing I think he could do is all the memes that you see where it's like Tom Brady has one last true challenge and it's him in a Jets uniform. Like outside <laughs> of something like outside of the memes, right? Like there's nothing you, left. There's no, there really is nothing left. So um, if it is his last season, you know we'll, we'll probably deep dive into it more. But yeah. I I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would be – I don't know. It's one of those things that you got such mixed emotions on it. I, I like, would be surprised but not shocked, I guess, is kind of – Is that okay? Because I can 100% see why you would do it, but also, I mean, like I said, I'm numb to this conversation for the last 10 years. It's hard for me to take it seriously now. Yeah, we'll we'll see what, what comes of that. All right, next one we got is this happened today. Um, so for you guys, it's probably a couple days old, but – Sean Payton stepping away, stepped down as the the Saints head coach. So it's it's very weird. I, I the the wording of it is puzzled me a little bit because I mean obviously we're still very fresh in the moment of it happening, and every headline has been Sean Payton is stepping away from the Saints, and you're like retiring, going somewhere else, stepping down. Like the the wording is I feel like has been very selective. And we haven't discovered what the wording means yet. Yeah, I I don't fully know. I mean, everything I've read is says it's highly unlikely that he coaches this year. And stepping away, yeah, stepping away could also mean like the OC is going to coach him this year. He'll be back the season after. You know, he needs a year off for his health. You know, yeah. Like, stepping away, they didn't say retire. They didn't say stepping down. Just down and away are two very different things as well. So. Maybe he's stepping away for the offseason. Like, front office handles it. I'll be back. I'll be back in August. So, it's very weird. If he is done in New Orleans, obviously, what a run. Super Bowl title with Drew Brees. The winningest coach in New Orleans history. Pioneered that turnaround and ran one of the most creative offenses in NFL history. This guy made Taysom Hill into a $12 to $15 million a year guy in his offense. 
This is this is one of those years too. It's sad to see him stepping away because I feel like this was a really impressive year as a head coach. Yeah, I mean they had it felt like twenty guys play quarterback for him this year. They had at and, least four, and they were on the cusp. They had Taysom Hill, J- Jameis Winston. They had um, Trevor Simeon, Tre- Ian Book, Ian Book. So, I mean, the fact that he had four guys play and they were a borderline playoff team is incredible. They had, and that's the crazy thing is you look at all four of those quarterbacks and how polar opposite they are from each other. You look at Jameis Winston was a former number one, uh, number one overall pick. You had um, Ian Book, who I believe was a third or fourth round draft pick this year. I believe something like that. Taysom Hill was a mid round guy, I believe. Um, or was he undrafted? He was undrafted. I think, I think he's undrafted. Yeah, yeah, so you have Taysom Hill as an undrafted guy. You had a number one overall pick. You had Trevor Simeon, who's a seventh-round guy. And then you have uh, you have Ian Book, who you drafted in the middle rounds this year. So just all walks of life playing the quarterback spot, and somehow they still were only eliminated from playoff contention in, like, week 17. Right, which is not last week of the year. I don't know. Um, they have a lot of things to figure out contract-wise, obviously. We we preluded to it earlier. They have the worst cap situation in arguably in NFL history. The only one that rivals them would be then last year, maybe. Um, yeah. $71 million in the hole. They have a lot of maneuvering to do. Um, and also, I think it leaves a massive question mark around Taysom Hill going forward because – they're paying that guy twelve to fifteen million dollars a year if he's not a quarterback. If he's a quarterback, he's getting around like forty million dollars a year. And we all know, as valuable as he is, he's valuable in Sean Payton's offense. Does the next head coach use him at all? Does right? Does, does the head does the next head coach use him? Does he use him as good enough to pay him twelve to fifteen million dollars? Is he your franchise quarterback? It puts him. It puts him in a weird spot for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Um. I, I don't I don't know where this job falls in the rankings because it was a cuss playoff team, but was that because of Sean Payton? I, I don't I don't know. That's a really tough one to try to figure out and answer for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, just an interesting situation. I I think he's probably got a lucrative TV deal lined up somewhere. Um, hopefully, he does like NBC Sunday Night Football, and he's like is reunited with Drew Brees. I think that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, maybe he'll do color commentary, but I think, uh, I think he'll do TV for a little bit maybe. And then uh, hopefully come back and coach after a year off. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, the saints is definitely, I feel bad for the saints. Cause obviously they have all the maneuvering they have to do cap space wise, but now they're super late to the hiring cycle at this yeah. point. Um, they're kind of, you know, starting three steps back from where everyone else was. I do think it's a decently attractive job, but I think to a certain degree, like you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of head coaches going in and almost interviewing the saints, you know, like who, what's the roster going to look like? You know, they're obviously going to have to move maneuver their way somewhat out of this hole. Like who am I going to have left? You know, I don't want to take this job because I want to, you know, have Taysom Mills, my quarterback for you to cut him because you had to save money, you know? So, and there are definitely some pieces there that make you excited to be the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Cameron Jordan, as much as he's aging, is still a very, very solid option to DN. Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore. I like the defense a lot. CJ Gardner-Johnson uh, in their secondary. And then offensively, Alvin Kamara is one of the better 
one of the best utility backs in the league. Michael Thomas didn't play a single snap all year, but we know how talented he is. I'm I'm curious to see if it was truly if he is a slant boy or if Drew Brees' arm was kind of making him kind of run those routes to get him the ball in his hands. Uh, I've never bought into the whole slant boy hype because no one can look at Michael Thomas and the physical build of this guy and looking what he could do on a football field and be like, yeah, that guy can only catch the ball on a slant route. You're insane. There's no effing way. That guy's a freak of nature physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see him back on a football field. And obviously they have probably one of the better offensive line units in the game. And sure enough, obviously one of the most highest paid offensive line units in the game with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramzik holding down the anchors at the, <sighs> the tackle spots for him. Armstead's so, a free agent next year too, so. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, so he's not coming back because they don't have the money for him. Probably not coming back. I mean, unless they find some unforeseen money, that's going to be a tough one for him to find. Yeah, which again, we'll see. We talked about that. This was like a week three or four topic. They re-signed Ramsey to that huge deal. Maybe they let Armstead walk. They try to slide him over. All of a sudden, he becomes the highest paid right tackle to being like a really, really solidly paid and one of the one of the steals is the left tackle spot as well. If he slide him over and he plays well. So there's a, unfortunately this made a lot more questions than it gave answers for the saints going into the off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Before we get into pump the brakes today, Another quick word from our sponsor. Calm is a software app based out of San Francisco, California. It produces meditation products, included guided meditations and sleep stories. They're the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation with over 100 million downloads and over 1.5 million five-star reviews. They are Apple's Best of 2018 award winner, Apple's App of the Year in 2017, and Google Play Editor's Choice 2018 App of the Year and to be named Center for Humane Technology as the world's happiest app. Sign up today and try the Calm app today for free and channel your inner LeBron. And no, I did not ad-lib that last part. That is what I was told to read. So, Calm app, if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're trying to find your inner Zen, be a little Phil Jackson Zen Master action, Calm's got you covered. Download it on the App Store at Google Play today. Hey, to pump the brakes, Tim, what do you got for me this week? I know we got a lot of stuff that was... Oh, this is one you added. I was like, man, I don't remember writing this, but okay. Yeah, I had to to throw it in because it wasn't anywhere else. Okay. Is Antonio Brown a good fit in Baltimore? Hmm. Um, I love that you're thinking about this because you're the one who wrote it. I know, and I'm still undecided because it's such a 50-50 thing as Antonio Brown is as a player. He's such a 50-50 thing. Um, on one hand, he is a great player, and I think is still a very, very talented asset to an offense. Also, he's a very, very toxic and volatile problem to deal with inside of a locker room, inside of the media. Yeah. Um, uh, I My heart, my, my gut says pump the brakes because it's hard for him to be a good fit anywhere. This question will be answered... Very simply, by whether Baltimore signs him or not, because I don't think Baltimore is going to bring him in if he isn't a good fit. And it doesn't mean even if they bring him in, it's not going to go south. I wouldn't be surprised to see us get to week 10 or 12 with him on the team and him to go to the podium after the game and call Lamar Jackson a running back because he's not getting the ball enough. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, 
I have had this this take for a very, very long time, and is there's a couple organizations in this league that have earned the respect and have had the credibility of if you're having you know off the field issues, attitude issues in the locker room, that there are a couple organizations in this league that I trust and that most people trust to turn those players around. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, because either they're going to fix it or they're going to spit you back out with the same problems and on to the next one, I guess. And we saw that right. with AB. It happened already. Yeah. And and John Harbaugh and the Ravens is second on that list, in my opinion. Um, if you can't work in Baltimore, then you don't work relatively anywhere else, usually, um, as far as off-the-field issues go. Um, obviously, I, I, Hollywood Brown is his cousin, so there's some work there. Lamar tweeted today. It seems like he possibly wouldn't, you know, would be open to having Antonio Brown on the roster. And I, I will never turn my nose I, – I won't turn my nose up at us signing him or not signing him. I trust Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh to make the right decision as far as that goes. I, I think a couple of things here is, I mean, it didn't work in New England, which is alarming. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't work in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady basically fostering that relationship. Being- basically, like, literally got him the job. If Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – AB probably wouldn't have touched down in Florida. Yeah. So uh, I just, I don't know. I don't think I see another team bringing him in unless they were insanely desperate. And I don't know if Baltimore is in that spot right now. I think they could go out and draft a wide receiver and not have to deal with the headache that AB is. Um, yeah, I agree. Again, if he's having off the field problems, I hope he seeks whatever kind of help. He needs, but yeah. Well, he's been hanging out with Kanye and Floyd Mayweather the last two weeks, so good company right there. Yeah, definitely. That is the stable crowd, if you will. That's who That's, I would have ran. Doesn't to. make me too excited about that headline going forward. No, no, not at all. Um, next one I got for you: the 49ers should keep Jimmy Garoppolo if they make the Super Bowl. No, pump the brakes, slam them. I'm gonna. Break the pedal from how hard I'm slamming the brakes here. Um, I don't think there is any situation where Jimmy Garoppolo should be on the 49ers roster going into next year, starting or not. It's crazy. Unless he gets, unless he's cool with being a backup. The issue here, and again, I I I feel bad for the guy. And people have talked about this, and they're like, well, how, you know, if he goes, especially if he goes and wins, say he goes and outduels Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl or Joe Burrow, he takes down Matthew Stafford and the Rams, goes into SoFi again the next week to play against the Chiefs and the Bengals, and takes him down, wins the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, the whole nine. And like, sell to the fans, you're going to trade away Super Bowl MVP quarterback. Niners fans know better than anybody that, yeah, cool, he's, he's good for the game or two here or there. But they also have seen the last two games, and they know this guy better than most fan bases and most analysts know Jimmy Garoppolo on the field. And that this guy is not the Super Bowl MVP. Even if he comes home with the trophy, guys get lucky all the time. Not Super Bowl MVPs. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Ravens in 2000. We've seen bad quarterbacks win titles before. And it's also crazy to think that when you look at the four quarterbacks that are in title games coming up this weekend, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, and Joe Burrow. Jimmy Garoppolo is the second most experienced in NFC title in in championship games 
behind Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career, which is crazy when you stack yeah. him next to the other two behind him. He, but here's here's the thing: is I I think you have a hard time of how do you let that guy leave if you make two Super Bowls with him? I understand there's the Joe Flacco effect, but we haven't seen you know the downside of I'm not saying to pay him. $20 million, but I don't think it hurts to keep him one more year. I also then, getting past that, I'm looking at how much I gave up to go get Trey Lance. I gave up two future firsts and a couple other pieces to go up to three and get Trey Lance. And I get sitting in for another year may not be a terrible thing, and I don't think it'll be the end of the world. If he starts all year next year and Trey Lance has to wait two years and then gets his chance in the third year, I don't think it's the end of the world at all. They still have two years plus a fifth-year option to evaluate him at that point. But you run into this issue. It's a very tough spot to be in. But I'm also looking at it for the fact of, obviously, Trey Lance is the future. Within the next three years, he will be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers for a certain amount of time. He didn't get picked at 26 like Jordan Love. Not only did he get picked at three, they gave up to go get him. Like they were, they went from pick 12 to pick six all the way up to three. They jumped two times. They could have landed at six. They added the third team to go all the way up to three and took this kid. They're going to give him time at some point. And I, I don't know. I think you got to give the project. And I think Shanahan will play it the right way. If he goes, you know, they go through the offseason and they're like, Lance isn't ready to start. They're hold on to Jimmy G for another year. But if they're looking at Trey Lance, they're like, this kid's ready or is, is really, really close to ready. Jimmy, if they win a Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo's value will never be higher. That's, I mean, that's a fair point. You know, yeah, you're coming you- off a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl loss even. I'm getting uh, a second round pick, maybe even a pro- probably a high second, mid second. Whereas if I wait another year and he sits behind Trey Lance or he has a bad year, maybe I can only get a fourth or a fifth for him at that point. You know, two. I fours, I, I think there's going to be a team this off season that gets left out, that is left behind, and they might overpay. You might very well might get a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. And again. For a team that gave up first-round picks to go up to get Trey Lance, it's hard to turn down that offer, Super Bowl ring or not. I don't know. I I think it's an interesting discussion to be had because I think it comes down to the question of who gives you a better chance next year to go out and win a Super Bowl? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo or is it Trey Lance? And it might be you have to might you might have to evaluate it halfway through the year. But yeah. I, I I have a hard time seeing a scenario where. Trey Lance is ready enough to go to go be that player. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not there every day. I don't I don't see him in practice, so it's it's tough for me to say. So before we move, the the next the the part that I have to tack on to that kind of is so I think they were originally pick twelve, pick eleven maybe before they moved up. Now they don't take Trey Lance. They don't take a quarterback. They sit at their original pick, or maybe they even go to six. They were at eleven. They had a chance to take Micah Parsons. Do you feel? Do you feel like maybe going forward that with a Super Bowl ring that they regret maybe not taking Micah Parsons or somebody else instead of a quarterback at three with Trey Lance? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. No, I think I think the quarterback is the best value. Now, I think there's an argument to be made 
that was it worth giving up what they gave up to go up and get a Trey Lance maybe instead of a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones? That'll be the real question, I think. I agree, because I feel like there's a solid chance that they could have got Lance at 11, if not at 6 with the original package they had. I mean, Lance went at 11. That's where he ultimately went. I mean, they would have gotten one of these guys, right? Somebody maybe would have jumped them for Lance. I I don't know. It, It really comes down to... And this is how it is always with the quarterbacks of would Micah Parsons help right now? Yes, absolutely he would. Of course he would. Kyle Pitts would make any team better right now to be a Super Bowl contender. Yes, yes he would. But if Trey Lance provides, you know, 10 more years of success for the San Francisco 49ers, of course you're going to take that trade all day, right? Why wouldn't you? And it's another thing of looking forward at the quarterbacks that are available now. Definitely not regretting it, considering the quarterback class that's coming in the draft class this year. Oh, yeah. No. I so. mean, it's better to have two two good quarterbacks or development quarterback and a good quarterback because this year it's all development, all guys that you wouldn't want to play this year. So Yeah, 100%. All right. Next one I got for you. Offense wins championships now. Yeah, I mean, so I this- said it earlier. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. And you watch that Bills-Chiefs game. You watch the Bills- Patriots game and you watch the the Chiefs Steelers game from last week and you're like it's hard to say that. Now again, I think maybe it changes going into the Super Bowl if we see if Chiefs Rams match up maybe. But I don't know. I mean, you look back at the Chiefs Rams from 3 years ago, 52-51, 52, you know, down in Mexico City, 52-49, whatever it was. Yeah. Highest scoring game in NFL history. Um I do think I, – I don't know. I, I don't I don't like the, the saying of offense wins championships. I do think offense is more important than defense now, at the highest level at least. I would agree. I think when it comes down to your everyday game, when the Chiefs and Bills aren't involved, no. I think defense wins championships. But I think both of those teams proved – I think Patrick Mahomes more than any proved – I think Josh Allen proved it last week against the Patriots that defense isn't as important as everybody thinks it is. He went out and hung five touchdowns on the top 10 defense in the league in the Patriots. Whereas Patty proved it this last weekend and went out and hung five, four touchdowns in a game winner over the best defense in the regular season in the bills. I, so, I would, I would rather have a dynamic offense than a dynamic defense at this point. I think that's just what it's come down to of, Good defenses can get beat, whereas a great offenses can't right now. You know what I mean? You got yeah. Well, great help. offenses can, but they get beat by better offenses. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I think it's one of those times that I think it's true more than ever. I now. think this question is more of like, would I rather be the Chiefs or would I rather be the Niners? And I'd much rather be the Chiefs. Be the Chiefs, absolutely, all day. Okay. Next one I got for you: Debo Samuel is the best athlete in the NFL right now. I mean, it's tough to argue anybody else. Uh, I think Cordell Patterson would be in the conversation. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Other than that, I mean, nobody's doing what Debo Samuel's doing right now. I feel you like... Could, I'd go out on a limb and say there's nobody that's doing what Debo Samuel's done in the last 10 years. You know, He he is being utilized. All these guys that come out, I, I, I would say that the most recent one that comes to mind is, uh, uh, who did the Giants draft at wide receiver? Tooney? Uh, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Thank you. I knew I was saying it wrong. I, it was just one of those moments. 
Like you always say, oh, he has such high upside. Like this is the potential. You know, he's such a freak athlete. Like this is what you would want to hope, right? Debo Samuel has turned into that kind of dude mm-hmm. where doesn't matter if he's playing running back. Doesn't matter if he's getting the ball in the jet sweep. Doesn't matter if he's catching the ball on a screen play. He is just a better athlete than everybody else out there. Yeah, and I think I think a guy that could enter that conversation would be like Ceedee Lamb. I think could be just as dynamic. Another thing that that hinders that is the the creativity in your offense, and I don't think it takes a genius or uh, a guy that knows football to know that Kyle Shannon is much more inclined offensively than Mike McCarthy is. But as far well, as athletes, hot like take I said, alert. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's really an argument to be had here. Like I said, if everyone's being utilized the way they are, when I look at when you ask the question, who's the best athlete in the NFL right now? My what I consider an athlete is a guy that, like I, how I've explained Kadarius Tony every single time we talk about him, is not a wide receiver, is not a running back, is a guy. He's a playmaker. Get the ball in his hands and watch right. the magic happen. CD Lamb's done that his entire career. I think Kadarius Tony has that in him, and I think Debo Samuel is the best example of who's doing it on the field right now. Hundred percent. I I, I thought about wording this differently and saying the best weapon, but it's tough to argue that when Cooper Cup just won the triple crown or Derek Henry was an absolute monster. He still finished in the top 10 and missed half the season uh, in rushing yards. So it's really hard to say he's the best weapon. I think he falls into this weird category of like all around player. When it comes to the most diverse player, he's got to be the best player in the NFL without Mm -hmm. question. And I don't think he gets enough love. I really don't. I would agree. Next one I got for you. The Titans should move on from Ryan Tannehill next season. This is another one that's tough. Um, Man. Um, I mean, the contract situation is rough. He hasn't really done anything to warrant a move. I'm not going to – I am going to pump the brakes here. I don't think they should move on from Ryan Tannehill. Unless the right deal comes along, obviously. If Green Bay's like, we'll give you Aaron Rodgers in a swap. Okay, yeah, send it. Yes, right. give me that. Seattle calls. Cool. Yes. Give me give me Russell Wilson. If I I, I think the reason I'm gonna pump the brakes and I don't think they should move on is because outside of those two guys, unless which the Texans won't do in division, obviously. Um, unless you are getting an upgraded quarterback. And I think outside of those three names, I don't think there's really an upgrade that's going to be available this offseason. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time with this one because if you can go get a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson or an Aaron Rodgers right now, I, I think it's a big upgrade. You know what I mean? I think I think. Oh, yeah. If help. those like I said, if those three teams call, yes, get that. Yeah. Get Rantan out of town. I'll pack his bags for him. I'll pay right. for the flight. Whatever. Outside of those three guys, I don't know. I'm definitely looking at quarterbacks in the draft class, 110%, playing for the future. Because if if you weren't unsure of Tannehill's future after the Titans game, you should 110% be unsure of his future after the Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, yeah, I, I think I I they have to evaluate the quarterback position. They have to go out and make a move. Because you know what the other problem is? There's not a lot of holes on this team. You know, mm. there really is. There, there's, there's not couple- much more you could fill. What right. else are you going to spend draft capital on? Exactly. So, so don't it, don't spend draft capital on the rotational guys. Spend that draft capital on a trade to go get somebody that's going to upgrade you at a position of need. 
this is this is one of those teams that just keep your eye on because they might make a move for a quarterback and you're, you're going to say, wow, that was out of nowhere. But you're going to be like, you know what? I listened to the Owen show. I knew that was coming. Yeah. I'm just, the, only, I'm just... the only downside to that is that one of the three quarterbacks available is in their division and will most likely not be available for them to get. That, I, that'll be the hardest part, but I think they can do it. I can't imagine Tex, the Texans being like, yeah, we'll trade Deshaun Watson and then play him twice a year. F no, that. There's no way. F it, that. It, it would be one of the other quarterbacks that are going to be Yeah, available. they're going to have to go after somebody else. I agree. Um, next one I got for you. Aaron Rodgers played his last game as a Packer. Um, I'm going to pump the brakes here as well. As much as everybody thinks it's done, um, again, it's the same thing with Brady. I've heard this. We heard this all – this is the only thing I heard around the last Packers year. all offseason last year. He's done. He's gone. He's not suiting up. He's, you know, never. He's not playing another game in a Green Bay jersey. Media day comes around, and he's like, what, are you guys surprised to see me? I'm still on contract here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to play games. Everybody week, watched week one, and they got stomped by the Saints. They're like, well, damn, I wish he wouldn't have showed up to work. Jeez, this is horrible. Sure enough, dominates MVP finalist. Obviously, a disappointing end of the year again, but nonetheless, still one of the better regular season performances we've seen to date from a quarterback. Um, I think the thing that sends them out of town right now is the Packers cap situation, if they feel like they need to move him to save money. Um. That, that'll be the thing that sends him out of town, I think, at this point. If he's not 100% committed, I think Green Bay needs to man up and be like, all right, you're not 100% committed to being here. We need to save money somewhere. Why would I send somebody out that's 100% committed to being here when you're not? And we can save a lot of money with sending you out. We can save $20 million. We can cut our problem in half by sending a guy that's only 75% here out the door. Why would I not do that? You know? As much as it is Aaron Rodgers, you also got to think about the package you're going to get back for him. It's going to be pretty hefty. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think if the Packers don't find a way, and they probably can if they if they have to, to keep Devontae Adams, watch out for them to pair up together. Yeah. So he gets traded to Denver. Maybe Devontae Adams signs in Denver magically. You know, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm thinking if if Devontae Adams tells him, hey, listen. Don't don't franchise tag me. I won't play if you guys do it. I'm gonna guess that they're teaming up together somewhere. They're going. They're, they've talked, and the plan is we're getting out of town. Yeah, I think there's two possibilities: either that, or if he wants to go out Vegas and play with his college roommate and Derek Carr. Those are the two things that we've heard the most so far. Hmm. Yeah, you know that is uh, that it that it that could be interesting. I don't I don't know. I have as far as I, and, it's tough because a lot of people are like, well, if the Packers move Aaron Rodgers, they're not a playoff team next year. And I'm like, obviously. And it's not because, <laughs> duh, I'm like, duh, okay, cool. And so it's you're not me if they get rid of their Hall of Fame quarterback, they might not be in the playoffs yeah, next it, year. And it's, I don't think it has as much with Aaron Rodgers to do as like, this team is not bad. Like, these, if they were able to keep. Aaron, you know, Devontae Adams, like, this automatically jumps to the top place that needs a quarterback to win. Like, there's a quarterback away, you know. Top seven running back, top three receiver, top ten defense, top five O line, solid backup running back, decent targets around Devontae. Like, this team is perfectly set up to win. The only bad thing is they're a perfect passing offense and an inclement weather town, you know, in Green Bay. So, 
they this that team automatically hops the list of top destinations if you're a quarterback on the market is Green Bay because of how well and ready they are to set up the win. Now, obviously, if they're maneuvering out of $40 million in the hole, some of that stuff could change. They may have to let go of Preston and Zedarius Smith, which extremely deteriorates their pass rush. They don't keep Devontae Adams around the receiving core isn't as good. But nonetheless, they have a solid running game, a solid receiving back in Aaron Jones. They've got talent on that team on both sides of the ball. They still have Jerry Alexander on the defensive side of the ball, Adrian Amos at safety. There's still a lot of talent there, but yeah, obviously, and it's to me, it's not about more about Rogers leaving. It's like there is no option outside of like you getting a Ryan Tannehill back in a swap. Where like I could see Tannehill making the playoffs with the Packers next year. I could, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it's a possibility. Oh, I think the division's so wide open, and if you're assuming they have a healthy Derrick Henry the whole season, I don't think it's crazy to say that they make the playoffs. Not at all. No. All right, what's this last one you got for me? Okay, the future is here, now and always. So, referring to the young QBs here, right? So, mm. we don't have, a, you know, what would can be considered an old-class QB outside of Matthew Stafford in the playoffs remaining at this point. Yeah. Um, it's a very it's, unique situation for and sure. And as much as Stafford is the old guy amongst the group, he is tied for the least experienced, never been to an NFC title game in his life. Right. <laughs> So I think I think it's finally time to say it's a new guard, you know. I I think uh the last remaining piece of the old guard is, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and I don't I don't know how relevant they're going to be going for it. I think it'll be yeah, interesting to see. I'm not going to shut them out of a Super Bowl berth uh going forward. So I I will agree with you the future is here now and uh, going forward this is the guys. It's the same thing with like if Allen and Mahomes is the new Brady Manning, the Joe Flacco is going to pop up every, every now and then, you know, like right. Brady and Rogers will probably sneak one in here still here in the next two or three years. Okay. But I definitely do think that going forward, this is what you're going to see more often than not. You're going to see the, the Allen, the Mahomes, the Burrow, the Herbert, the Jackson, the, who knows the hurts, maybe the, I. Uh, the Tannehill possible. Who knows? There's definitely – it's more young guys than old at this point at the quarterback position. It's a very interesting spot for yeah. sure. Before we get to our championship preview for this next weekend, our last word from our sponsors comes to us today from Nutrisystem. Uh, Nutrisystem will help you transform your life inside out with a personalized weight management experience that's effective, simple to follow, and made just for you. Nutrisystem is a leader in weight loss in, in the weight loss industry, having helped millions of people lose weight for nearly 50 years. Nutrisystem offers safe, effective, and scientifically scientifically backed weight loss plans with a distinguished science advisory board and strong clinical studies. All plans include comprehensive support and coaching options from trained weight loss coaches, registered dietitians, and certified diabetes educators available seven days a week from an award-winning contact center. Nutrisystem is committed to continually elevating the nutritional quality, taste, and overall appeal of its food through innovation and its food and nutrition mission, an ongoing effort to make its foods fresher, labels cleaner, and approach to ingredients more transparent. 
Sign up today at Nutrisystem.com with deals for men and women on the chef choices starting at just $10.21 a day, including free at-home delivery. New Year's resolutions happening. Obviously, we're in, in, you know, towards the end of January now, but it's never too late. You know, you got 12 months of the year. If you start your New Year's resolution a little late, Nutrisystem is a great way to catch up on the missed time. Sign up today at Nutrisystem.com. So, into our preview for this upcoming week. Obviously, just two games on the slate, less football to talk about on the field. More and more to dive into as the chess matches pick up. And obviously the the offensive masterclasses that are to come, at least on one half of the bracket, and what, what possibly could be an offensive mastermind in the Super Bowl. We have a lot of stuff to talk about here for these two games. Well, which, yeah. which game do you want to cover first? Uh, let's cover them in, in the order that they're going to happen. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Chiefs-Bangles first. Okay. How do you feel? How do you feel about this game? Who are you going with? What's, I'm, uh, what's I'm going to call. I'm going to call the Chiefs here. Um, I think what Joe Burrow has done this season has gone above and beyond. Right. Normally, every season there's one team that kind of overperforms their ceiling. I think this year there's two teams that have done that. Um, and I think it kind of comes to the end of the line for for the Bengals for me. Um, comes down to a couple of things and I know you've heard us say this a million times but who do I trust more in a playoff situation Andy Reid or Zach Taylor I'm gonna take Andy Reid yep who do I trust more in the big game Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow it's close but it's Patrick Mahomes you know I would say it's Patrick Mahomes by by a decent chance um I know what I'm gonna get and two the other, the other, not two. I don't know what factor this is for me. I'm been up for too long now, so I'm, I'm kind of tired. But I can understand that. Yeah. The the big thing for me is is now going into Arrowhead, right? Like it was tough to go on the road and get a win in Tennessee. It is going to be significantly harder to go into this environment and then try to get a win. Um, yeah. Um. Definitely, I'm going to be beating the same drum here. Uh, as much as we like to have some parity, as as much as the picks, I've said it for the last two hours. I've said it for the last two years. I will continue to say it for the next two years and years to come. I And it's crazy that at 26 years old, Patrick Mahomes has earned a, a Tom Brady-esque respect for me as far as betting and picking goes. Whereas, like I said earlier, I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I don't care what the spread is. I don't care who the odds are. He could right. start for the Jets playing against the Monstars. I don't care. I'm taking TB12 every day of the week. And at 26 years old, Patrick Mahomes has earned the same level of respect in my mind, which, of course, he hasn't accomplished as much. That is just how freakishly talented he is at this point in his career. Um, like I said, this guy is 26 years old, and he's starring in his fourth AFC title game in this many years. Just for reference, um, Troy Aikman and Steve Young made four title ga- four championship games in their careers. Um, Drew Brees and Dan Marino only made it to three and, you know, heralded top three, top five quarterback in the game, Russell Wilson and a former league MVP and Matt Ryan have only made two in their career. This kid is 26 years old and has doubled Russell Wilson in, in NFC and AFC title game appearances. 
That's insanity. It's it's crazy. It, it's uh, really special what he's doing. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs here as well. I think um, the the offensive line for the Bengals is going to be under duress, like you said. Going into Tennessee isn't easy. Beating Derrick Henry on his own field isn't easy. Beating that defense in their home isn't easy. If you thought Tennessee was loud, boy, you haven't played a game in Arrowhead in your life. If you thought it was hard to communicate with all that ruckus noise that they were making out of the Music City, man, Kansas City, you're not going to be able to hear yourself think, let alone what the center and the left, you know, what your teammates are calling out to you three feet away from you. Um, yeah. I don't think this game is a blowout, but I don't think it's – I think it's a two-score game is what yeah, I'm going to think. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's offense is good enough to keep this close, but I think the X factor is, isn't the Chiefs' defense. It is the Chiefs' pass rush. Right. You can go – you saw what – you have the tape. You saw what Tennessee did last week. You have an extra added advantage with the environment. You've got to put Joe Burrow on his backside. There is – Anything short of four sacks is a letdown, in my opinion, for the Chiefs this weekend. And I know that's a high goal to reach, but it's something that I feel like you have to get done, you know, because you're going to go into the Super Bowl into SoFi Stadium. If you win this game, you're going to the Super Bowl SoFi Stadium, possibly playing the Rams at home, or you're playing the Niners, who you've right. been to that big game against before. And guess what? Yeah, their quarterback isn't going to drop back to pass as much, but you're going to have to live in the backfield to win both of these games, in my opinion, for the Chiefs' defense. I I think I I will say this: I'm favoring whoever comes out of this game going in potentially. Um, but yeah, I do I do like the Chiefs here. It's just we they've been there, they've done that. We know what we're going to get. The Bengals snuck by Tennessee. You know they won, but it was yeah. damn close. And well, Tannehill had to hand them the game-winning field goal on that pick with two minutes right. left. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to do that. He's not going to make that mistake in the big no. game. He's just not going to do it. Maybe so. in weeks one through six, but not now. <laughs> yeah, apparently, this apparently is, early in the season, he's not that good. Yeah, but. we we saw Tennessee beat these guys early on. We saw Cincinnati beat them late in the season. This is this is a different animal, and I think. The momentum that he has, I mean, he's thrown nine touchdowns in two games through this postseason so far. This is not a Patrick Mahomes that I want to run into at this point in the season. Um, I mean, he just went out and tore up the number one defense through the regular season, and he made it look routinely easily, especially yeah. down the stretch. Um, so I'm, we're both going Chiefs here. No disrespect to the Bengals. They played a great year. I definitely am not counting them out of this game at all. But like I said, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes after watching what he did on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next game we got, uh, we got the Rams and 49ers. Uh, NFC title game. This is, Third. this, this is an interesting game. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, more entertaining than the prior because I think it's going to be very close. Yeah, this um, is the third matchup these teams obviously being in the same division this year. The Niners claiming the last two. Stafford out for revenge, possibly. The, the, the game trying to make his first Super Bowl birth of his entire career. And as much as the Rams fan base might be lacking, I think this is where the majority of America lies as far as who which quarterback they want to win the big game. Um, cause I'll tell you, they have Rams fans support. They have a majority of chiefs haters support. And I'll tell you the whole city of Detroit is riding behind Matthew Stafford going to this game. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a it's an interesting game. Um, I if I'm remembering correctly, I believe in playoff matchups, Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's undefeated, um, mm. and that's part of my reason for I'm going to pick the 49ers here. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and, and call call the bold shot here. I think they upset. I just they feel like they've been counted out of every single game, you know, and sometimes you get these teams where it's like, okay, they can't win. feels like the Eagles, you know, the Eagles, the year that they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Every game it was like, okay, this is the one they lose. They're going to lose this one. And yet they somehow found a way to win it. Um, I mean, part of me really wants the Rams to win because I think they're going to be a really interesting and explosive team. This game is a coin flip. This comes back down to a coin flip for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because I mean, on paper, obviously the Rams have this advantage all day long, but Kyle Shanahan doesn't. Kyle Shanahan doesn't plan for on paper. Kyle Shanahan plans for what's going to happen on a football field. Yeah, and I agree. If you're going the head coach, Sean McVay is a, a, an offensive genius. He went out and scripted a game to go out and beat Tom Brady. And as much as they almost had the ultimate letdown in that game, we remember what the score was at halftime. You know, outside of three fumbles in the second half, they beat Tom Brady into submission early on. It was 27-3, and they fumbled on the goal line. It was about to be 34-3 going into halftime. Like, they went out and took everything away from Tom Brady from one of the best – the best quarterback of all time in that, in that first half. But, again, flip the coin. Kyle Shanahan has gotten Jimmy Garoppolo to a second NFC title game, looking for a second Super Bowl berth. This guy has not thrown a touchdown yet. We yeah, just talked about Patrick sure. Mahomes throwing nine touchdowns in two games. Jimmy G's got zero. They're both yeah. in the same game. Well, not the same game, but same title game standpoint, you know. So uh it's 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 hard to bet against Shanahan the way that he's coached through this postseason. But I'm gonna take the Rams here. I'm gonna go with the talents on paper. I think at the end of the day, it's gonna be a little bit too much for the Niners to overcome. Um, I think last week against Green Bay, if you flip the seedings and that game was played in San Francisco, I think the Packers come out pretty handily. Uh, I think they're able to throw the ball more freely. Don't have to rely on the run game as much. Um, who knows? Obviously, it still could go back towards the Niners, but it's it's one of those games where I think the atmosphere is going to matter. Being in SoFi, obviously, the fans may the fans are probably going to swing towards. The Niners, anyways. I don't think I think that's going to be more of the same when it comes to Rams fans not showing out for home games, uh, which is yeah. a, a, a damn shame considering that they're playing in you know the NFC title game and they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl possibly three weeks from now. Um, but I I like what Stafford's doing right now, and again, the the Niners defense is solid, but it's not known for their prowess as a secondary as of right now. And they got a triple crown winner in in blue and yellow, and they also have Odell Beckham Jr. And then on the flip side of that, they have the two guys that are currently leading the postseason in pressures. Aaron Donald has thirteen pressures, which leads all players through the postseason. Von Miller has eleven, which is second on the list. The uh, the, the thing I'll say is you're you're making a really compelling argument, and I and I can't disagree with anything you've said here. 
this is one of those games for me. For some reason, my brain is screaming, take the Rams, but my gut just says the 49ers. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think you very well could be 100% right that the Rams are just going to, you know, if it were an arms race, I'd absolutely take the I'd take the Rams right now over the over the Niners. It just feels like one of those weird games where they might just sneak around. They just might mess around and win this one. You know, that's what yeah. it feels like to me. I felt we we all felt that way last week with Cincinnati when we felt it the week before with the Niners over Dallas. Lightning definitely can strike twice, but will it strike twice in San Francisco? That's the question. That'll be the key. That'll be the key. Well, anything you want to add here before we get out of here? That's all I got. Uh, If you you made it to this part, we love you. As always, you know, if you can listen to us ramble for, you know, two hours you're you're the best kind of human being that there is for us so yeah you're you're a special kind of crazy as well uh, <laughs> sit through all of this um make sure you guys follow us on twitter owen underscore burke uh pissworm takes on twitter as well for tim make sure you guys keep it locked obviously we have a lot of episodes coming out under the bdl name now uh what's streaming and the bullpen boys have their first pilots out this week should have a mansion coming out for you guys. Uh, one of one will drop next week. BDL on Friday per usual. The slate will be posted on Twitter here soon. We're getting a graphic made up for it. Something pretty for you guys to set as your wallpaper. You make sure you keep all the shows in line. We're going to keep it rocking for you every week on Thursday mornings. And other than that, man, keep your eyes out. Keep your ears open. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you guys next week.